All right, everyone. Welcome to the Fast Forward Podcast. This is episode three. I want to say thank you for joining us. This is going to be a fun one. And for those of you guys who don't know what the Fast Forward Podcast is about, uh, what we try and focus on is for those people looking who um, make a difference in their life, we're interviewing people who are innovators, industry leaders, where they can share their insights and information to take our listeners to the next level of whether that be business or personal growth. And with that, we, we have a special guest today. Um, and just to give you a little bit of information of you know who this man is, kind of what he does, he and himself is a poet. He's a writer, likes to write about what's on his mind and how it affects him and people in the modern world. He's also right now a personal development coach working with individuals really trying to take a um, step outside their career or take themselves to the next level. Uh, he is one of two founders of a nonprofit called Enjoyment of Pain of Growth, uh, where he works with underprivileged youth. And today he'll talk a little bit more about that. But more importantly, he is the host and one of the creators of the Dare to Dream podcast, where he pushes his listeners, again, to take that leap of faith into a career that ignites them and sparks their life. So with that, please welcome to the Fast Forward podcast, Greg Benedict. How you doing? Doing great, Brett. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really excited to be here. One small caveat is that the nonprofit we started is called the Enjoyable Pain of Growth. <laughs> oh man, I, I I better change my notes on that then. Learn learn how to reread stuff, right? It's a tough name. It's a it's a very tough name. Well, with that, man, I I kind of want to get straight into it. Where uh, I'll even give a little bit of background of of where you're at and where you came from, just um, so people who are on the other end listening have an idea of where the content's going to go. So you, at, like we've known each other since college and right out of college, you, you went into like the, the traditional career path where you were working more of a nine to five, like in a, in a typical career path, which was, um, oh, I can't even think, what's the word on it? Like, um, oh, whatever it is. So, so it was a typical career path and you, you found yourself within a couple of years, not feeling like this was really a place you wanted to be. So you uh, took a step outside, took a bet on yourself, and wanted to do something more in the entrepreneur space. And with that, like every, like a lot of people have always thought to themselves, you know, I can run my own business. You know, I can, you know, really do something myself. But not a lot of people really take that first step, or, or really believe in themselves to actually make that happen. So I guess the first question I have for you is transitioning from that that traditional corporate role to uh, running your own business working on a nonprofit yourself what was what was really like your spark what was the difference maker in your life that that you decided to want to make a change yes that's a great place to start and you you nailed it so i was working in finance i was in the private equity industry and i was working a job that i thought was my dream job i always thought i wanted to work in private equity but after about two years of sitting behind a computer every day, just entering numbers like a data monkey, I started to feel super uninspired and unfulfilled. And as a writer, I started asking myself these big questions about who do I want to be as a person? What kind of impact do I want to have on the world? And I was really stewing over all of these things when my big spark was actually COVID hit. And for a lot of people, the coronavirus was a huge negative in their lives. Mm -hmm. For me, it really woke me up to the fragility of life. And when coronavirus first hit, 
I, I live with two other people and both of them left to go be with their families. And so I was in San Diego alone and I just was thinking to myself, okay, the world might end. This was back when no one really know, knew how serious it was going to be. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like the, if the world ends tomorrow, what am I going to regret most? And the thing that I would regret most was that I never had the courage to follow my dreams and take a, take a risk and bet on myself because I knew I wasn't happy at my job. I was grateful that I still had it because so many people were losing their jobs, but I was just going through the motions. And every day I went to work, I felt like I was letting myself down because I wanted to work in the personal development industry. I wanted to work with people. I wanted to really inspire others to become the best version of themselves. And yet here I was just clocking in, clocking out, doing something I wasn't passionate about. And so coronavirus for me was a huge kick in the pants. And it made me think like, if I'm not going to quit my job now, when the world might be ending, like, when am I ever going to quit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, when are you, you going to make a difference in your life? And I, I kind of want to touch base a little bit more on what you said about you wanting to work more in the personal development um, space. So were you, was this something you were, you were diving into before you were working in private equity? Is this something that, you know, maybe near the tail end of your, your time in the corporate world, you started transitioning understanding yourself a little bit better like where where did that drive come from so it started as soon as i graduated college which was interesting because in college i worked hard to get good grades but i wouldn't consider myself overly ambitious or driven i was just kind of doing what was expected of me and following the traditional path you know get a good job make some money make the parents proud but as soon as I started at my first job, was, which was actually in internal audit, which is a whole separate mistake I made, was <laughs> I had all this energy and drive and ambition. And I started waking up early um, to work out and kind of get my health together. And I had all this energy and I wanted to put it into my work and take over the world and really make an impact. But I was an entry-level auditor and couldn't, even in the projects I was doing, like I just didn't know enough and I didn't have enough uh, I didn't have enough impact at the company to, to really do anything of meaning. And so I had all this energy and drive and I couldn't put it into my job. So I turned it around and kind of focused it on me because I could change myself faster than I could change my job. And so mm -hmm. I started reading tons of books, listening to podcasts, getting into different philosophies like stoicism, working out consistently for the first time in my life and eating healthy. And this was when I difference that makes <laughs> yeah, unbelievably, unbelievably a huge difference. And this was when I, I fell in love with this concept of personal development, this practice of continuous improvement and making yourself just a little bit better every single day. Well, so with your, with your, I guess, um, like stepping into this world, was there, was there really any, any people you look up to? Was there people you wanted to emulate you're like, okay, there's, there's been others that have taken this traditional route that have stepped away that have done something that I'm kind of leaning towards doing. Did you have any of those, uh, I guess, like mentors or people you looked up to? In the beginning, it was just podcasters that I really appreciated their lifestyle and their story. So Tim Ferriss was where I started with the personal development podcast. Just you and everyone success. else, right? Exactly. <laughs> And he was the one who introduced me to stoicism, but 
then I moved on to, I still love Tim Ferriss, but started listening to Aubrey Marcus and he has a whole different flavor of personal development and finding what lights your soul on fire and what your mm-hmm. purpose is. And what I realized is that all of the people I looked up to didn't live a normal life. Yeah. They all lived this really irregular life where they took a huge risk or circumstances presented them with this opportunity and they took it. It wasn't anyone who was working the traditional nine to five and just settling for this kind of normal life that I wanted to emulate. Mm-hmm. It was these people who were doing extra, extraordinary things and really challenging the traditional confines of the corporate world. Well, so, so describe more that what that risk looked like for you of, you know, what was that exact point where you took a risk, you bet on yourself, you said, this is, you know, this is the direction I want to take. And, and maybe let us know where, where you're at and where that's kind of landed you at this current point. Absolutely. So out of college, I worked for about a year and a half as an internal auditor and I was miserable about six months in, I knew I wanted to quit but I wanted to stick it out. It was my first job out of college. And finally I made the decision and I told my parents, I was like, Hey, I'm going to quit my job, but don't worry. I'm going to go work in the finance industry next. Like it's very safe. I'll be able to get a job there. (laughs) And they were okay with it. They supported me. They realized that maybe being an auditor wasn't for me. And so I made that jump. That's when I moved down to San Diego and I started in private equity. Mm -hmm. And then a year and a half goes by and the same thing happens. I'm just uninspired, unfulfilled. And I realize this is not what I'm supposed to be doing either. And so here I go to my parents again saying, I'm going to quit my job. But this time, instead of telling them that I was jumping into another safe and secure industry, I told them that 50% of my plan is to have no plan. I know that I'm capable of so much more. I have this potential inside of me to help people, to inspire people, to teach, to lead. Mm -hmm. But I need to put myself into the unknown and see what happens. I mean, that's what I was reading from everyone, from Steve Jobs to Benjamin Franklin to all of these people who say, find out what it is that you want to do and remove every obstacle and just put yourself in the unknown and see what happens next. And so that's what I did. I quit my job in June of 2020, pretty much at the height of the coronavirus. And I didn't (laughs) know. So what are you probably you know, in, in their worldview, not the smartest thing. Like everyone's losing their job. No one, like no one has a guarantee of where they're going to get money. And all of a sudden you decide to take a, a bold risk on yourself in a world surrounded with no guarantees. Like you must've been thinking to yourself, like, what the hell am I doing? It was definitely pretty scary. And as I started telling people at my company, what I was doing, I definitely got some weird looks and some questions. And when I told my CEO, that's when I came up with the, oh, I'm, I'm going to start a personal development company just because I was too afraid and embarrassed to tell him that I didn't know what was coming next. But so I quit my job. And about a week after I quit my job, a stranger reach out, reaches out to me on Facebook and she says, hey, um, I know I don't know you. I hope you don't think this is weird, but I read one of your articles you wrote about your mission and your vision for your life. And there's this guy named Tim who you need to meet. I'm doing a coaching certification class with him. He also lives in San Diego and you guys just need to get connected. So can I please connect you two? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, of course. And so I jump on a FaceTime with Tim who I've never met before. And 
we instantly hit it off. We're both into the same things. We're passionate about helping people. And this is when he tells me that he has a vision to start a company called the Enjoyable Pain of Growth Academy. Mm -hmm. And he pretty much described exactly what I had wanted to start with this personal development company I was creating in my mind, but he was going to make it available to everyone through the means of making it a nonprofit instead of just affluent people who could pay for it. And so he tells me this idea. I fall in love with it. And about two weeks after quitting my job, I had about one week to have a little vacation. Um, I'm back right back to work. (laughs) I'm in my room working from my bedroom, just tons of hours a day, just full in committed to building this with him. Well, so, so what about, what about Tim's background? Did Tim come from a similar background of you or did he, he have this, this mission that he knew he was going to give back to people, you know, right away as soon as he could. So Tim grew up in San Diego playing basketball. He was a basketball star and that actually got him um, a full ride scholarship to Rice University in Houston. And he was just graduating from Rice when I met him. So he's a few years younger than me. And he was just graduating. He had a job lined up with Accenture Strategy starting in the fall. Mm -hmm. But he was kind of going through the same existential crisis as I was, seeing COVID happening, seeing all the social injustice come to light over the summer. We were both like, what can we do to help all of these issues and actually try and make the world a better place instead of just talking about it? What are steps we can take to build something that's going to actually help people? And it was really serendipitous timing when we both met, but we both gave up something big in order to pursue this full time. No, it makes sense. So, so for, um, for anyone like who's looking for clarification, I guess, on how the nonprofit runs or on how your nonprofit runs, Cause I know like back in the past, I would be like nonprofit. How does anyone make money? How do you pay your bills? Like, like when you hear nonprofit, you think of, um, you, you just think of a business that doesn't make any money. And I'm guessing that's probably not, not the case for you guys. So, so you did explain a little bit about like what the, what the mission statement of the, of the nonprofit is. It's about delivering personal growth and personal growth strategies to, to essentially everyone. So with that, how how are you guys set up to i guess like work in a business sense and make money how are you going to be able to pay your bills or or maybe even just like clear up any misconceptions for any listeners that might not be familiar with like the nonprofit space absolutely um and you hit the nail on the head with our our mission is to alter the trajectory of underserved youth by making personal development part of education mm-hmm. we're super passionate and this is actually what we initially bonded over Um, about this concept that education is more than just academics and math and science. Like, yes, those are helpful, but there are so many things that we need in order to live a successful, fulfilling life that schools currently aren't teaching. Like I went through school without ever learning how to set a goal, how to use a calendar or how to manage my time. And yet these are some of the things that you absolutely need to be successful in the real world. And so in addition to those big questions of your purpose, visualizing your ideal self and actually coming up with a game plan for your life. We, we help students do that. And we also pair them with a professional leadership coach. And the sole purpose of our program is to really cultivate their sense of who they are and what they want to do, and then provide them with resources to move them towards that. And so that that's what we do. That's our mission. Mm-hmm. And 
how a nonprofit works is super interesting. I was in the same boat of, oh God, I'm starting a nonprofit. I'm never going to make any money. Exactly. You'll be eating dirt and grass outside and and drinking rainwater. That's about it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, But a nonprofit, if you work for a nonprofit, you are on salary, just like any other company. Um, There's certain differences in terms of where the revenue source comes from. So a a traditional company sells something, uh, they bring in money, people pay for the good. And then that, you know, you might, you, you, you take out costs and then that eventually gets distributed to employees and all of this Mm -hmm. different things. Same thing for a nonprofit, except our main revenue source right now is donations. So we're entirely donor funded right now for the programs that we're implementing. However, there's a lot of different things that we can do. So there's what's called fee for service, which is what we're moving towards. And so the next program or maybe two programs from now that we implement could be fee for service where the school district we partner with pays for it. They have a budget for uh, leadership development programs like our own. And so they would pay for our program. And then the students in that school district get it for free. And so we will never charge the actual students who use our program, but there are different ways of charging either the school district or a different nonprofit that we partner with to get revenue from that side. But then also it's nonprofits are heavily dependent on contributions and donations from donors. donations. Well, so, so I guess I have two questions, I guess one is um, where are you guys focusing on getting donations? Is it like, are you marketing towards, um, I guess, like high net worth individuals that might have the same mission and see the value in the growth? Is it more of a, hey, we want to reach out to the community that these people are a part of and and the community can see it as a overall benefit, maybe long term? Um, like, So that'd be the first question. And then the second one would be, because you guys are attacking school systems and these almost like these institutions that are pretty rigid, I'm just curious where you guys have um, have met the most resistance to, hey, this is this is our idea. This is where we see value. This is where we want to contribute. But someone maybe who's been doing it a long time, who's been, you know, part of that that cycle and says, hey, I like things the way they are. We don't need to make any changes. And I don't like this, this hippie ideal of, you know, like, like teaching kids how to be the ver- best version of themselves. No, they need to know math and they, they need to know how to make money. That's about it. So um, I, I don't know which one makes more sense for you to answer first, but that was two questions that kind of just came to mind. I'm going to answer them in reverse order. I think that'll be easier for me to okay. remember. So it's interesting because we are very, it, like when we first say, when you first hear what I described about school isn't teaching us the right things, it sounds very anti-school, kind of anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. But in reality, we are solving a problem for schools. So there's this huge kind of new hot topic called SEL. It's social and emotional learning. And school districts all across the US are spending tons of money on trying to create social and emotional learning content. This is essentially things like building emotional intelligence, learning how to regulate behavior, asking those big questions about who you are, what your purpose is, what you want to do. And we are not facing too much resistance, actually, because we are a solution to the school district. Mm -hmm. We are coming in and saying, we have developed this program. 
based on leading social and psychological research. It was built in conjunction with professors from Rice University, which is one of the top research universities in the US. Um, we have this solution for your students. It's our online personal development program plus our leadership coaching. And we want to give this to you. Essentially, in the beginning, it's free. That's what we've done. But eventually, we'll charge for it. But we're not facing much resistance in that sense because we're solving a need. They're, they're scrambling to figure out, okay, how are we going to teach SEL to the students? Who like? Do we have the resources? Do we have enough teachers? Like, Do we even know how to make digital content that's going to be scalable and easily distributable? So they're excited to work with us on that front. I'd say where we do face resistance is just each school and each school district has its own culture and their culture might not align with our culture in terms of just, you know, Tim and I are both young. We're very optimistic. We want to get things done. We've definitely faced a little bit of resistance in where we come into a school or a program and it just seems like they are less excited to be there. They've, they're just kind of like going through the motions and it's very reactive instead of proactive. Yeah. And we're really trying to bring the energy, get these kids excited and help them create better lives and like really have that optimistic side of things. I get it. Well, so with those, those school, is there, is there trends or similarities you see in those schools that haven't been as receptive? So we've only worked with one school so far and one other nonprofit. So sample size of one, (laughs) but we've talked to a lot of other ones and sometimes we'll get the, the feeling on the, like on the initial conversation of whether they're really excited and they're more hopeful and future facing or whether they're kind of overwhelmed and reactive and just trying to deal with everything that's going on. And are these schools only, only in like Houston area? Are they in California? Have you been reaching out pretty much to any state that's willing to pick up your phone? (laughs) So right now only in Houston. And this is another thing we actually created. We created the law of EPOG because there's been so many serendipitous things that have happened throughout this whole process that it just started getting too perfect. So we had to come up with a name to describe it. And it, it just so happens. So we chose Houston originally because Tim graduated from Rice and he lives in Houston. And that's where we have multiple board members who live in Houston. It just made sense to start there. Yeah. And then it was also this, this perfect thing where HISD is the worst performing school district in the U.S. Whoa. And it's actually been chosen by the U.N. as one of the U.N. has, I think, I can't remember if it's 32 goals or they have these, these huge goals across all sectors. And one of them is to improve schools in America. And the school district they chose as their sample size or as their measurement system is, is HISD, which is the Houston Independent School District. So it's the worst performing in the U.S. That fits in perfect for us because we want to go where we can have the biggest impact the fastest. And so we're, we're just in Houston right now. We're going to build out our foundation and lay down roots in Houston mm-hmm. before we expand. But eventually we would like to be all across the U.S. In that makes sense. So even focusing on that Houston school district that you were just mentioning and even relating back, I guess the, one of the first questions I had is in that Houston school district, because they're so low performing in terms of metrics, 
are the surrounding areas more or less not affluent? So if you guys are looking for donations, it's going to be coming maybe not from those immediate areas, or are you guys still reverting back um, to that area and saying, Hey, any sort of dollar you can put towards a school system, you can put towards a kid is only going to be an investment back in this community. Like every single time you put your money forward is only going to benefit you as well. Is that kind of like your guys' thought process or, or the donor's thought process? This is perfect because I think I can answer that other question of where we're getting the yeah, where getting donations money? from. Yeah. Where's the and, money coming from? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, okay. So another, another big funding source for nonprofits is what are called grants. You okay. can get grants from the government. You can get grants from indiv- uh, wealthy individuals, foundations, and we've been applying for these. We've applied for two. We actually just applied for our third on Friday, but we won't hear back for a bit. Um, but this is a this is a source of funding for nonprofits. They're definitely difficult to get in the beginning because they want to see that you've been established for a couple of years. They want to see that you um, your your program works, that you're sustainable, that you're not just gonna you know spend all the money and disappear. And so, to answer the question of where the money's coming from, we've applied to grants. We haven't received any grants yet. It's very standard to not hear back from grant grantors for the first couple of years as you just get better at the process okay um most of our funding has come from individuals both wealthy individuals and just people friends family people in our network who care about what we're doing and where we've seen the most success so far is actually a campaign that we're in the process of doing right now so on june 5th we launched 25 days to raise Mm $25,000 because we received a matching grant in which for up until June 30th, all donations to EPOG Academy are doubled. And so we started this on the 5th and I don't, what is the date today? Today's the 20th. (laughs) Today's the 20th. So we have 10 days left and we've raised $19,000 already. So we're very close to our goal. Um, It's been an incredible experience seeing people band together to fundraise on our behalf. So the campaign that we we ran with this time, it's it's called peer-to-peer fundraising. And we're, we're using a platform that allows for people to either donate or they can click a button that says, I want to fundraise for this. And they fill out their own little fundraising page. And then from there, they can share the link to their friends, their family. They can post it on LinkedIn. And it's been so cool seeing how much more effective it is to fundraise when you get other people bought in and now Mm -hmm. they're spreading the word and sharing it instead of just tim and i calling our family our friends and just trying to get people yeah begging for money yeah i I can only imagine how that goes after a certain point in time so i mean just even give a shameless plug if if someone wants to donate to you said it runs until the 30th like where where can they um where can they find that information to be able to make a contribution Absolutely. So we'll definitely put the link in the show notes, but it's called 25 days to raise $25,000. And you'll just click on this link. And as I mentioned, you can either make a donation and, or you can click on the button that says, I want to fundraise for this and create your own page and start spreading the word. And this fundraiser specifically is to pay for our fall program. So we just finished our, our pilot program, our very first program uh, at the end of June or sorry, at the beginning of June. And we will actually be going back in the fall to the same school to bring this program to even more students. And so that's what this fundraiser is all about. It's prepaying for that program 
And it's also another huge milestone in our lives is that this, this fundraiser is going to allow us to start taking salary as well, because Tim and I have been working on this nonprofit for about nine months now for free. Wow. Wow. And that, yeah, yeah, that's that, that. Yeah, exactly. you, you quit your job during COVID, you decide to start a business and you don't get paid for nine months. Like it's a, it's a risk. A lot of people, you know, when they hear that are get, get nervous about, but I think what's interesting about what, again, what you've done is you told yourself there was no plan when you started, there was just, there was an idea and starting, you know, it's like Simon Sinek for anyone who's ever heard of him. He wrote the book, um, start with why. And I always thought it was like really interesting of, you know, the way that Apple works of, are they really looking for the best phone or are they looking for a piece of technology that's going to change the way you interact with the world? And when you like start with a big idea, like how am I going to impact in a positive way, the most amount of people, I think, I think you start to just figure out that plan versus almost the other way around of, you know, okay, well, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to come up with an idea on the spot, make money, and then I'll make an impact. It's, when you start with that why, you start with that reason to to push your company and to push that that idea of why you're doing things. It makes your work always have like that North Star you're working towards, but it also just reminds you on an emotional level of why you're doing the work that you're doing, right? Absolutely. And I love that you brought up that book. That's a foundational book that both Tim and I read at the beginning of all of this. And you're totally right. I knew my why. I didn't know the plan, but I knew that I would figure it out. And I think where I'd like to take this next is just giving a little more background into how I've been able to eat and sustain myself because yeah, I don't, I don't want, I don't want people to just go out and quit their job and think that you can do this with no planning and be okay. So I had, I, I knew this was coming. I'd saved and I had put myself in a position that I could live without making any money for over a year. But then things just start happening. And so once I like having that safety net is essential. But as I started working with Tim on Epoch Academy, he was becoming a certified coach. And I was like, oh, like I've always wanted to become a coach myself. I'll start doing this as well. So what, I type became, of coach, what type of coach was that? It's a certified neurotransformational coach. Okay. And neurotransformational is really cool because it's basically focused on communicating with the subconscious mind, which absolutely fascinates me. So it's, I mean, the subconscious is like 95% of who we are and what we do. And it explains why I can tell you, oh yeah, like you should wake up early. You should go to the gym. You should do all these things, but, and you, and you probably believe it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And you do it for like three days. And then all of a sudden you just stop doing it. Or, you know, you should be doing something, but whenever you sit down to try and do it, you just come up against this invisible wall. You hit this resistance. And neurotransformational coaching is so cool because you work on having like fundamental shifts within the person's mind that allows them to overcome things like self-limiting beliefs, um, fear of the unknown, these, these huge obstacles. And I, I was just fascinated by it because I love learning about the brain. And so becoming a coach has helped me eat. Um, I started <laughs> coaching people, which has just been such a such an incredible experience. I've between Epog Academy and coaching, I've never felt more connected to what my purpose is and what I think I'm supposed to do um, during this life. And so that was something I, I also 
didn't predict. I didn't realize I was going to become a coach, but that's allowed me to make some money on the side and also just continue to work with people and really fill myself up emotionally. Well, so, so a question I have is, again, for anyone who's a listener that hears about the neuro, neurotransformative uh, coaching, who would that be applicable to? Like what sort of clientele would you see as like your ideal person that would reach out to you? You'd be able to provide value and you'd make it a, just a really positive impact on their life. Like what does that type of person look like? Yeah. So neurotransformational coaching can help anyone. But for me specifically, who I target and who I want to help is essentially me about a year ago. So it's people who are working a corporate job and they're successful, they're making good money, but they just feel really empty inside. And for me, I was miserable. I was buying all these fancy health supplements. I was going on yoga and meditation retreats. I was doing all of this stuff to try and fill this hole inside of me because I didn't have something that I was striving towards. And the biggest thing that I want to help people with is just, you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to radically change your life, but you do just have to find a direction, some, something that you can start working on, on the side, mm -hmm. um, yeah. some sort of passion project that gives you, it gives you hope really. That's all you need. And I'm a big fan of doing the work every single day, this, this continuous improvement process. And once you have, once you have a direction to move in, then you're unstoppable because even if, even if you aren't liking your nine to five, you can keep working that to, to fund your new mission, which is this, this exciting new life. And then the person and I would just get together and come up with a game plan on, okay, what are the little action items I need to take to get there? How am I going to do this? What's going to come up and just really I'm passionate about helping people get started on that journey and then supporting them along the way. Well, so you've probably seen it that a lot of people inadvertently self-sabotage either change or their future. And I mean, like the only reason I say that is because I'm the same way as well. Like I get into habits and sometimes I have a hard time getting away from those habits, but when you work with people, what have you seen as some of the biggest obstacles, just again, on average, that people have to work through and what typically works and what doesn't typically work for those obstacles? I'd say the biggest obstacle that people face, and this is the, the one that I face the most, mm -hmm. is self-limiting beliefs and just believing that you aren't capable. And this normally doesn't come off it's not the first thing that you notice when you work with someone because, <coughs> excuse me, they, they usually don't, they usually don't say, yeah, Greg, you know, I suck. So I can't do this. It's usually, well, I got an excuse one, excuse two, excuse three, and then it's weeks and like, maybe like no work's been done. Right. Yeah. It's, it's basically just this, this fear that as they start something and as they actually put themselves out there and define metrics that they're going to measure themselves by, um, that they could fail. And that it's going to, people will find out that I didn't succeed on this thing because I actually took a risk and started walking towards it. And how this, how this shows up the most is just resistance. So someone will say they want to do something and then it, it won't get done. And there'll be so many 
rational reasons why it didn't get done. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the interesting part is the, the things that stop you are always the most rational, logical reasons. You can always come up with an excuse or an explanation for why you didn't start the thing that you want to start. And that is, that is one of the hardest things for people is just starting. And that's what I really try and help people with is it doesn't even matter if you start and you're moving in the wrong direction, because then at least, at least you're in motion and you can adjust. (laughs) If you're going left and you realize you need to go right, you can just make that quick adjustment. But if you just stand at the starting line and you don't take that first step, that's when you'll never really know what you're capable of. So I would say it's, I would say it's overcoming the resistance is a huge one. And then another huge one is just what do I want? I, I don't know what I want to do. I don't have this big aspirational dream. I'm just kind of unhappy where I am currently. And I want my life to get a little bit better. And yeah. that's that, it, it, the more and more I coach people, that's what I'm realizing I can help with the most is not this huge aspirational dream where we're going to 10x your life in the next six minutes. Be a rock star. Sell, but like sell a best winning book, like, you know, make a million dollars in three months. And it's, it's, from what you're saying and in full disclosure, like you, you kind of were also one of the reasons why I started my podcast. And I was like, you know, I, here's a guy who took a risk on himself, who's doing something a little unconventional. And for me in the back of my mind, like I've had the idea of starting a podcast, but it was never really just to make content and to push my opinion. It was the idea behind it is I love having conversations with people that are interesting, that are doing big things, that think in the world just in a way where they can make an impact. And because of that, I'm like, why not create a platform for people to, when they're on a walk, where they're driving their car, when they're chilling at the house, when they're doing laundry, when they're cooking dinner. Like I know I always look for those little moments, um, whether it's in in the middle of the week, or at the end of the day where I can listen to something interesting that, that pulls me in, that captivates me and makes my life just a little bit better. And the, and the way that happens is it's either a new um, perspective, a new viewpoint, maybe someone running a business that I've been curious about, maybe someone running a nonprofit that I've, you know, I've wanted to make a positive impact on people's lives. And I think with all these conversations that you have with, people that might be struggling and maybe that I have with people that I find interesting, it all comes kind of down to the same thing of how do we get enough information where we empower ourselves to live a life that is more congruent with who we truly believe we are. Right. And like, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to make that first step. It's hard to take that first action. But I think when you get in the habit, like you were saying of, of at least making making something happen. It doesn't matter if it's the wrong way or the right way. And some just turning off Netflix, t- like turning off your phone, deleting some social media. Like you got you convinced me to delete TikTok, and you know how many hours I saved of my life. Like I'm not gonna lie, like my TikTok was mostly sports videos and puppies, and and man, those things are entertaining. But at the end of the day, it's like when you spend that much time on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and, and you're just consuming versus wanting, you know, whether you're running a business, selling something you think has a um, value or producing something like, like, like this is 
I think when you, you switch that mindset of I want to give back and I want to, I want to make that impact. It really like changes the way you want to do work. And it also, I think it just changes the way you kind of look at the world, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you, you said something I want to highlight there is this concept of living a life that's truly our own and a life that's really exciting. And that's, that's my number one thing is my mission is to help people become the best version of themselves. And step one is to live a life that's truly their own. This is so important. This is actually what started this kind of transformation process for me is there's this woman named Bronnie Ware who she worked as a, a end of life nurse caregiver. And mm -hmm. she interviewed 500 people on their deathbed and asked them, what are the five things you regret most now that you're about to die? And the number one regret of the dying was that I wish I would have had the courage to live a life that was truly my own, not the life other people's other people expected of me. And this is so important to just take a look at what you're currently doing and say, do I even care about these things? Or am I just in this job or this industry or this relationship because it's making other people happy? And when I heard that, I was on a trip in Japan with nine of my best friends violently hung over and i realized that i was drinking alcohol only to make other people happy and that it was destroying my health it was destroying my ability to enjoy the surrounding countryside that i was in not countryside i was in tokyo and <laughs> so, we, we went so, to so would argue we went to the country there ain't much of that downtown <laughs> yeah and so I'm, I'm so passionate about people figuring out what they actually want in this life and going for it that's literally why we started the dare to dream podcast is you have to dare to dream that you can live a better life this life that's your own no matter how weird or strange it is to other people ultimately that's the only thing that's going to fire you up and fuel you and at the end of the day when you're lying on your deathbed what are you going to regret more are you going to regret that you started a podcast you became a coach you started a nonprofit, and you failed at some of those or are you going to regret that you never left your job and that you worked at the same corporate job for 60 years. We're just a sad shell of a human. But that's, but we will make the argument too, that they're like, I know people that truly find enjoyment in, you know, the corporate structure, working their way up, managing people, like working in, in that large, that large company environment. Like if that is you, don't get me wrong. Like if that is like what fuels your, your soul and, and, and sparks that fire, keep running with it. But I like you, Greg, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't function that way. And whether that's someone never had the confidence to be a writer or an artist or, you know, to be someone doing interviews with podcasting, like who grows up and says, yeah, I want to. I want to sit down and talk to people for a living. Like that's not, that's not on the, the, the short list of doctor, lawyer, engineer, or business owner. It's, mm -hmm. it's not. And I, I think that's what I'm trying to use this platform for is just understanding that there is different options. There are different career paths. There is, there is ways to get out of a world you might not be happy, you might not feel comfortable in. Because one of the biggest things I always tell myself, and I think a lot of people know deep down, is that really what it comes down to it, when we feel like we're not in the right place, we're not doing the right thing, 
we're almost always right. Like, when has our gut feeling truly, truly been so wrong that we should have never listened to it? And I think that's what your message really speaks to is when intuitively you know that you needed to make that change and you didn't know what that change was going to be. It just needed to start with something. And when you started with that something and you found that you got more energy, the more and more you invested into it, you knew that listening to yourself and listening to taking that action was, was always the right path in the end. I could not say that better myself. I totally agree. And I also love what you just highlighted there of if you are working a corporate job and you absolutely love it, more power to you. And that's exactly where you're supposed to be. It's all about living that life that's truly your own. I mean, one of, one of my good friends is so passionate about cows and raising cattle. He moved from San Diego to Idaho so that he could go pursue jobs working on a ranch. And (laughs) hearing him, hearing him talk about cows and sustainably raised cattle, it was unbelievable. I I love listening to people talk about what they're passionate about and seeing him just light up talking about cows was such a powerful learning experience for me and that we're all wired so differently and we have all of these different interests and things that make us come alive. And I think that is really the purpose of life is to just listen and find those things that make you feel that way a certain way and and pursue those wholeheartedly yeah you just gotta you gotta find out kind of what your your heart's calling out to and just lean into it it's it's also too in the sense i know i know i've heard a lot of like what happens if i don't know what my passion is i don't know what you know i don't know what my purpose is sometimes you just you just need to start doing something and I can't remember who said it. I think it might've been um, the the podcaster, Tom Bilyeu, who runs like impact theory and health theory. But he talked about doing, uh, running his businesses and getting involved in the podcasting space of, he never really had a passion. He never really had this burning desire for it, but it was something that he he enjoyed doing, but he did it so much and so often that, he developed a skill set that aligned with it and that mastery of the skill set began to fuel his fire. So it's, there's, there's all, there's multiple ways to go about this. There's multiple angles you can hit it from. And if you are not feeling burning desire for something, I'm telling you, like, just start doing something. Any action will get you moving along the right way, getting away from social media, just, just living a life that you, Sometimes you just need to experience life to figure out what you want out there. And it's, I don't know, it's, it, I know it's been probably a crazy ride for you. And ho- hopefully, like, I wish you the best, you know, in, in those short term goals and those long term goals and whatever monumental impact you're going to have on those kids. I know it's going to, it's not going to only benefit the community like we talked about, but it's going to, at the core, benefit each one of those kids to hopefully live a life that's going to be, you know, truly their own. So, with that, man, I got one last question for you. I know we've talked some great things. There's been a lot of, you know, man, there's just, there's been so much value here. I love it. Um, and so what I've asked the last two guests, and um, it's just something that really wraps up what you've done, um, maybe looking back that 2020 hindsight. And that question is, if you could go back to yourself five years ago and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? 
I love this question. <laughs> and let, advice it, let that... it take some time if you, if you need to. Like, go for a walk, come on back. We could pause it. Like, <laughs> do whatever we need to. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I heard this was an Aubrey Marcus podcast and I heard him get asked the same question and his answer resonated so deeply with me because it was actually an article I wrote after reading one of my old journals. So I went through, I got a journal right when I graduated college and I had it for the first three years of working in the corporate world and wrote in it almost every single day. And then last December, I read it cover to cover and then wrote this article that's titled Life Always Sorts Itself Out. Hmm. And that is the advice that I would give to my younger self. And this is also what Aubrey Marcus said is just enjoy it and remove all the pressure that you're putting on yourself because in one way or another, things are going to work out. And so far, things have always worked out exactly how they're supposed to. And even if it doesn't seem like it in the moment, you don't get that promotion you wanted or you don't make the basketball team like some something happens. It's all happening for a reason. And life is going to sort itself out in a beautiful way and how it was meant to happen. And so just don't worry about it. Stop stressing. Stop putting all this pressure on yourself and just enjoy the ride. I love it, man. The so yeah sometimes we just put so much expectation on what needs to happen and when it needs to happen that we drive ourselves crazy about i don't know you go back what one one thousand two thousand years ago did anyone have any expectation of anything and just to try and imagine and put yourself in a life of someone who would wake up would find food would be in a small community and then would go to bed day after day and I mean, that's, that's how people live for an overwhelming majority of time. And, and to realize that sometimes maybe, maybe that's our default setting is to live life and just see what happens. And with that, man, dude, it, it's, this has been a great podcast. I can't wait to have you back on. Um, I want you to do a shameless plug. Let us know where we can find uh, your content, your articles, um, where can we find more information about you in the Dare to Dream podcast? Absolutely. So you can learn more about me at my website, gregoryrussellbenedict.com. Russell is spelled with two S's and two L's and Benedict is spelled a little unusually B-E-N-E-D-I-K-T. So gregoryrussellbenedict.com. You can learn about my coaching. You can listen to the Dare to Dream podcast there. And then if you want to learn more about the nonprofit that I co-founded with Tim last July, you can go to epogacademy.org. Epog is E-P-O-G academy.org. And you can follow me on Instagram at Gregory Russell Benedict. And as we mentioned earlier, we'll drop in the show notes, the link to our fundraiser. If you want to contribute, if you want to share it with friends, family, and your network, you can help us make personal development part of education and start changing the world one student at a time. I love it, man. And with that, I think that's the wrap to episode three of the Fast Forward Podcast. So if you guys made it through, I want to say thank you. Until next time, we'll see you later.